at times. So continue to lift him up. He is at home, or he was yesterday when I talked to him. Uh, Donna Holder's husband, Scott, his funeral was uh, earlier this week. Let's continue to pray for Donna and the family of Scott Holder. Uh, a few announcements. Uh, don't forget Sunday school at 10. I think Jeff said Gavin's teaching this morning. Is that correct? So that should be really good. And that's in the um, youth space, the old sanctuary. And then there's also children's Sunday school today at 10. We're trying to open up some things. Deacons meeting today at 5 for all who were active the last time we met, which was, I think, in February. Y'all remember back that far? And tonight at 6, adults will meet in here, and uh, also youth will have meeting in the youth space. Wednesday nights are back for youth and adults. And then on Tuesday nights, uh, Bible study at 7. Okay, I know y'all started last week and heard, heard good things about that. So that's in the fellowship hall. And there's a need for food pantry volunteers, ongoing. So if you're interested at all in serving in food pantry ministry, you can see myself or Durrell. One new opportunity related to food pantry ministry is the Thursday at the power plant cooking, which will uh, be a fundraiser for the food pantry ministry every Thursday from 1030 to 12 until further notice. So without going into all the details, if you're interested in serving on Thursdays to, to, um, to feed uh, contractors, see myself or derail, we'll get you plugged into the right place. So that's going to be an ongoing thing for a while. Okay, any other updates, announcements? Let's not forget to respect social distancing. And the reason I say that is that I know of two churches relatively close to us who are not meeting currently because of either the pastor contracted it or they had someone you know that that had it that had, had attended so I enjoy meeting right and I also enjoy uh, keeping other people as safe as possible so let's not even though a lot of things are opening up let's still respect that and and not get for lack of a better term lax on our our social distancing so that's your public service <laughs> encouragement for the morning so far. All right, any other, um, anything else we need to know? We know everything we need to know. Mr. Richard. Thank you. Yes, he has. Thank you. Reminding us of that. Okay, we are here to worship. Let's stand, please. Brother Jackie, would you lead us in prayer? Thank you.
Good morning. We're going to begin worship this morning with singing all in all. Thank you. 
Abby, thank you so much. One of my all-time favorites. I love how that song moves from encouragement to joy. You know, not just that he watches over us and, and is with us, but then we, you know, we end up singing. We may not end up singing like Abby, <laughs> but we end up singing. So his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Why should we be discouraged? Well, truth be told, we look out at life, and we think we can find many reasons, right, to be, to be discouraged, but our reasons to be encouraged are greater than our reasons to be, to be discouraged. And I mentioned that as a lead-in to where we will be this morning in James Chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. This is actually the third point from last week's message, which basically was a, a, an exhortation to live a certain way based on the fact that life is short, our time is fleeting, death is inevitable, judgment is certain. So we asked, okay, how do we live? What are we supposed to do in light of those realities. Well, last week we saw that two of the things God requires is, number one, repentance, to turn from ourselves to God and trust completely in Him. And another thing He requires is justice, to treat people a certain way because they're created in the image of God. And so there's a sense of justice and righteousness that needs to be met not only in our relationship with God, but in how we treat other people. So today, in verses 7 through 11, there is a great need in our lives for endurance. Endurance. Patience. Waiting. So what I'm going to do is uh, read chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, which was repentance and justice, and then let that flow into verse 7 through 11. Hey, all of us have a great need for encouragement, right? I believe that Satan continually sows seeds of discouragement and discord constantly. And we need to wage war with that in all the ways that God has provided for us to be encouraged. Now, as I grew up, I was surrounded, as I look back on my earlier life, I was surrounded by great encouragers. And I'm grateful to the encouragers that God put in my life, in my past, but also the great encouragers that he has surrounding me and all of you at present. My grandfather, who was a Baptist minister, was a great encourager. He encouraged me by giving me his books <laughs> to read early on in my discipleship and my ministry. He gave me some wonderful things to read. He encouraged me by giving me his humor. You know, it's encouraging to have a nice laugh every now and then. He said, Neil, I found a Bible that's got a, found a, I gave it away. I found a book, has a lot of good sermons in it. I said, where is it? He said, the Bible. <laughs> and he didn't say a whole lot, but one thing I remember he kept saying is, you be patient. Be patient. So that's what James is going to tell us today. But before we get there, a few verses. He says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments have become moth-eaten, your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you, 
and will consume your, fle your flesh like fire. It's in the last days that you've stored up your treasure. Well, good grief, what were they doing wrong? Why does James tell them and us to repent? Well, here it is. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields has been withheld by you and it cries out against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Sabaoth. You've lived luxuriously on the earth. You've led a life of wanton pleasure. You've fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter and you've condemned and put to death the righteous man and he does not resist you. All of that was last week. <laughs> Repentance and justice. And so then he says in verse 7, the same thing my grandfather kept saying to me. Be patient. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold the farmer. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until he gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job. Some versions there, the patience of Job. So when we talk about patience and endurance, we're talking about two sides to the same coin. You've heard of the endurance of Job, and you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Well, that's encouraging. The Lord... Is full of compassion, and he's full of mercy. Father, you are a just and holy God, and left to ourselves, we could never, ever come to you. But you've sent Christ, you've come down in Christ to rescue us and redeem us and forgive us and to fit us for heaven and for a relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to learn in difficult times how we should live, lives of repentance and lives of justice and, and lives of endurance and patience. And for that, we need your grace. We need your word. We need to hear from you. We need to pray to you. You've provided so many resources for encouragement. We need one another. We need the church. We need to worship. We need people like Abby to come and sing His Eyes on the Sparrow. We need that. Lord, I thank you for providing that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, a great encouragement this morning comes from these verses, and it should lead us to endurance. Before us in James this morning, we have a great encouragement that should lead to endurance and patience, and increase our trust. I will remind us that discipleship is not a sprint, it is a marathon. 
In fact, someone has described the life of following Christ as a long obedience in the same direction. And let's be honest, we do not do waiting well. We do not do patience well. I am weak on patience and endurance, especially living in a fast-paced, I want it all and I want it now culture. For example, earlier this week, I was waiting in a drive through line and I got very frustrated and impatient. Like most of you do, I began to look for a way out and a faster way in. <laughs> so I bailed. I left the drive through line, I parked, and I went inside. And guess what I discovered inside? The line inside's longer than the line outside. <laughs> and Joe, I thought to myself, that's what you get <laughs> for trying to cut short the process of waiting. I'm reminded of the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus kept returning back to them more than once. And he says to them, could you not wait with me for one hour? We become exhausted and weakened, as they did, from sorrow and the weakness of the flesh. I jotted a few things down that just made a few comments to myself about how all of us need to beware of shortcuts. And there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Our inability to wait and endure can be detrimental to us. Think about how physically impatience can affect us negatively. Yesterday, my son Bennett asked me, Dad... What are artificial growth hormones? <laughs> and I said, well, I think growth hormones are for people who are struggling with, you know, growing and, and maybe a doctor prescribed. No, 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 no. It was on the milk jug. <laughs> I said, oh, artificial growth hormones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Farmers often do that to speed up the growth process in the cattle, and that has had negative effects on us physically as human beings. So many companies will put on the, I'm thinking, he's nine years old. I've never thought through all this stuff. <laughs> but then I started one of the great baseball controversies of the, the 1990s was performance-enhancing drugs. And people like Mark McGuire, for example, will always have an asterisk by their name because they what? They wanted a shortcut. <laughs> they didn't want the process of waiting and working. Physically, relationally, I thought about this. Back in the 80s and 90s, there were some very public ministry campaigns that, that looked at the need to communicate biblical Sexual purity. Saving sex for marriage. Marriage is, sex is for married people. And the importance of waiting until marriage. 
You remember what the name of that campaign was? Anybody? Why wait? <laughs> Why wait? Physically, we ask. The farmer may ask, why wait? Relationally, we ask, why wait? Financially, we ask, why wait? Because we tell ourselves, I want it all and I want it now. And I want what my neighbors or my parents have. And I want that now. And we say, why wait financially? And where do we end up? Another day older and deeper in debt, right? Politically. Why wait? No longer trusting the process can lead to violence and anarchy. But then spiritually we do the same thing. We can desire too much growth too fast and short circuit the discipleship process. Churches can do this. In the name of growth they can compromise and we end up being as one Man described a, a church a, a mile wide and an inch deep, looking no different from the world. That was a mini sermon on how, you know, looking for shortcuts affects us negatively, physically, relationally, spiritually, financially. So my grandfather was right. James is right. What we need is endurance and patience. Well, where do I go to get that? Well, James is helpful in that he tells us to strengthen our hearts, remembering that the coming of the Lord is at hand. If we went back and circled through all the times that he said in this text, be patient, be patient, we would notice the repetition. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. And not to lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't become frustrated in your impatience. One of the things James tells us not to do, you'll notice in verse 9. What does he tell us not to do? And that's the very first thing we often want to do. Complain. <laughs> and complain against our brothers and sisters. There's got to be a villain here, right? And it surely can't be me. It's got to be these other people. And so we begin to whine and complain. I do it, you do it. But how has complaining helped any of us? How has it helped you? How has it glorified God? How has it helped others? So before we look at how to strengthen our hearts, according to James, let's do some things. Let's refuse, based on the character and the promises of God, let's refuse to panic. When we panic, we make bad decisions. Faith is the refusal to panic. Let's also refuse to pounce on others. Don't complain. Don't become an unhelpful, grumpy cynic. Refuse to pout in self-pity and bitterness and resentment. And refuse to give up hope. Refuse to give up hope. 
refuse to panic, refuse to pounce, refuse to pout, and refuse to give up hope. And instead, I'm going to remember some crucial truths. I'm going to remember some crucial aspects of discipleship that James points us to. Number one, I'm going to remember my future. (laughs) That sounds odd, doesn't it? Remember the future. But in Christ, your future is so certain that the Bible talks about it in the present. For example, Colossians says, We have already been raised up in glory with Christ. It's so true that it's, we're already there. James says, remember your future. And he points to what? What's in the future? The coming of the Lord. Regard the patience of God to be salvation. 2 Peter 3 tells us a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. The Lord is still coming, okay? God sees everything that's going on. He's acting. He's working. He is coming. There is future grace ahead for you and me. Waiting. Do not fret. The Bible says it only leads to wrongdoing, trusting. God is always working out His redemptive purposes. Know Him. Know His revealed history in His Word from beginning to end. Jesus said, I am working and my Father is working. Let's remember that He has promised a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And at his perfect time, in his perfect way, he will return. So when you're discouraged, when you're tempted to give up, lose heart, and panic, or bail, remember your future. James also tells us to remember the example of the farmer. Remember the farmers. Remember the future and remember the farmers. Remember future farmers of America? That would probably be a good way to remember the first two points. What does the the life of a farmer tell us? The life of a farmer is a life of two things. Discipline and dependence. James says the farmer is hardworking. So while I'm waiting and while I'm trusting, it doesn't mean I become apathetic and do nothing. No, it means I continue to sow the seed in the morning and sow the seed in the evening in, in, in discipline and then also in dependency waiting on the rain. We don't know if the rain's coming today or tomorrow or in this particular season or that season, but the farmer shows us that while we are waiting and trusting, we are working. We are doing everything that we can do, but trusting God for everything that only He can do. So remember the farmers. They work diligently, not passive or apathetically. They have grit, true grit. But they also have dependency. Without God, we can do nothing. And without God, the farmer can do nothing. Without the rain, there is no harvest. So the farmer tells me that I need grit, true grit, and I need to trust the grace of God in the process. And not short-circuit it, not short-cut it. There's no way to do that. Remember also the example of our forefathers. 
He reminds us of the prophets and of Job. In other words, he's telling me to read the Old Testament. Read through Isaiah, read through Jeremiah, read through Jonah, read through all the prophets in the Old Testament. But especially you ought to know the story of Job. He says, remember Job. When you're going through trials and difficulties, remember the patience of Job. In a nutshell, what was the story of Job? At the very beginning, he lost everything. And Job was involved in something that he didn't understand. It was far bigger than him. And that in the heavenlies, God and Satan were in a war, a battle over how Job would respond, whether or not he would trust God or do what his wife and friends told him to do, which was curse God and die. There's encouragement, isn't it? <laughs> Man, with friends like Job's, who, who needed enemies? But the beginning of Job was great suffering. Physically, relationally, materially, spiritually. But at the end of Job, the Bible tells us it ended well. It ended good. God was just and God was merciful and God was gracious. And if you read the last chapter of Job, you have a beautiful picture of, of restoration and joy and healing. And God doubled everything in the end that Job had lost and even gave him New children. <laughs> he didn't double his children, I believe, because God still kept his children who died for himself in heaven. All James is saying is that Job was a relatively innocent man who suffered greatly for reasons that he never fully understood, but in the end, God was faithful and good and God, quote, made up for, God made up for all the suffering and injustice that he experienced. So you've seen the outcome of how God dealt with Job. God is truly full of compassion and full of mercy. Therefore, like Job, you endure. When you face injustice and when you face suffering and when you face difficulty whether it's self-inflicted or other-inflicted. And all of us have experienced all of that. And you need endurance. You're not going to lose heart, and you're not going to complain, and you're not going to throw in the towel, but you're going to remember. You're going to remember your forerunners, your forefathers. You're going to remember Job. You're going to remember the, the, the faithfulness of God. You're going to remember how the, the principle of farming uh, operates, and, and, and you're going to remember... Everything that God has said to us about patience and endurance. But last of all, you're going to remember the Heavenly Father. You're going to remember what verse 11 teaches in light of not just the prophets, and not just of Job, and not just of the future that's coming. You're going to remember what God did for us in Christ. God the Father sent His Son, who was the ultimate righteous Job, more pure and innocent than Job, and experienced deeper suffering than Job. And Jesus entered into suffering 
of injustice and took the burden of our sin upon himself, even though he was the Lamb of God who knew no sin. Hebrews 12 says that we ought to endure and persevere, fixing our eyes upon Jesus because he is the author and finisher of our faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So of all the places that we could go for patience and endurance, James and the whole Bible ultimately takes us beyond the prophets and Job to Jesus. And what the Father teaches us about himself through Jesus. So, so listen to this. And this is what we ought to do with ourselves when we begin to lose heart. We strengthen our hearts by going back to Christ and the cross and we say to ourselves, we preach the gospel to ourselves, and we say, Jesus endured the cross for me and for us, for our forgiveness. He endured the cross for my lack of patience and my lack of waiting, for going my own way and manipulating my own scheme. He endured the cross for my forgiveness. He endured the cross for my endurance. He tells me to take up my cross daily and follow him. How do I do that? I look at how he endured the cross. Not complaining, not insulting, but trusting completely his heavenly father. He endured for my forgiveness. For my, he endured for our future. How do we think the new heaven and new earth comes to us? It comes to us through the endurance of Jesus through the cross. Where we have the glory of the resurrection on the other side. So Jesus endured for us our forgiveness, our strength, our future. And he endured the cross so that we can be patient with each other. Because if I think about how patient God has been with me. And you look at how many times the Bible tells me to be patient with you and you to be patient with me. Well, how do I draw strength from the Spirit to be patient with people around me? You go to the cross and you remember God's patience and long-suffering with you. So I had in my room as a child the little sign I've shared with you before. Hey, please be patient with me. God isn't through with me yet. <laughs> hey, don't cancel me yet, <laughs> please. Don't cancel me. Why? God's not done with me. and God's not done with you. Patience with others comes from the cross of Christ where we see what God did for us. So, how am I going to strengthen my heart? Though outwardly I waste away, inwardly we are renewed day by day. How are we going to strengthen our heart? We are going to intentionally and continually fix our gaze upon Christ and His character and His work. So I close with this. God surely knew what he was doing when he told us to do this in remembrance of me. And what I mean by that is one of the ways that we become very frustrated and one of the ways we become complainers is we forget what he's done. Think about 9-11. How many of us have said, we will never forget, right? Then it rolls back around, and I find myself saying sometimes on 9-11, goodness, 
After all these years, I've, I've allowed myself to forget some things about sacrifice and gratitude and unity and love and what really matters most, but we proclaim we'll never forget. But God knows our weakness. He knows our impatience. He knows our forgetfulness. So when Jesus gathered his disciples together, he said, I'm going to give you something that is going to strengthen you for endurance, your whole discipleship as a group of people. I'm going to give you this ordinance, and whenever you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. And I'm going to feed you spiritually with patience and strength and endurance. So every time we come to the Lord's table, listen, we draw comfort from the church and worship and prayer and the word. There are many ways that God strengthens you and strengthens me for the endurance to run this race. But one of the most important ways that he strengthens us is when we in humility and gratitude remember him and the cross of Christ. So we're going to do something this morning that I've never done before. <laughs> I've never taken one of those little cups that's right down there. See, I've got mine sitting right down there. And because of the pandemic that we're in, we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a different way, in a different form than, than we've ever taken it. But we're going to take it. And the symbolism is the same. Because I need encouragement. I mean, this, has been a, it, it, this has been a whirlwind, at times, discouraging year, hasn't it? And that's not counting the personal things that a lot of us are going through that nobody else even knows about that's not on the nightly news. So we have a living memorial. A memorial which comes to us regularly as disciples. To renew us, to reorient us, and reroute us. In 1 Corinthians 11, man, those Corinthian believers, they were divisive. They were selfish, and you know what they were doing? They were not waiting on one another. So Paul told them, when you come to the Lord's table, table wait on each other. Be patient. Endure. And he gave them the instructions that I'm going to read in just a moment. We look up. Because Jesus looked up and gave thanks for what he was about to do. Which I think is truly amazing. He gave thanks to his heavenly father for the cross. We look back. Remembering his death for our sins. Reminding us that our debt has been forgiven and that we're free. And this is my body which is for you. This is my blood which is poured out. And my body which is broken. We look within right now because every man, Paul says, should examine himself. Don't complain and don't judge others during this time. Paul says, let every person examine themselves for any unconfessed or unrepented of sin. I look around because we take this and we share it among ourselves. Listen, we've all participated in the sin that put Christ on the cross. And we all are recipients of the grace of His forgiveness. 
But do you know that when we do this, we also look forward? That the very first point that James made, remember your future, there's an element of the Lord's Supper that is an anticipation of when He comes. And here's why. Jesus said to us, do this until I come. Do this until I come. I'm going to feed you spiritually through this until I come. And then when I return, we will celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom that is to come. So what a wonderful ordinance and reminder for you and me that will strengthen our hearts and our minds and our souls for endurance for the race. So let's pray before we partake of our Lord's communion. Father, thank you for what you tell us in James, that there's so much that we can recall that will strengthen our hearts and minds, not to lose heart, but rather to endure until the very end. And I thank you that we can, we can recall the future, and we can recall those who went before us, and we can recall your love and your grace we can recall all that you've done in a way just through what we're about to do. Thank you for this ordinance. May each of us personally examine our relationship with you, whether or not we have faith in Christ, trusting him, feeding upon Christ and his word and his, his food spiritually every day. I need strength and endurance. We all need strength and endurance. Father, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that comes to us through, through what you've provided. And as we partake this morning, may we do so humbly, gratefully, and ultimately joyfully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, before we partake, is there anyone who did not receive a cup as you came in who would like to have one? Just raise your hand and, and I'll get someone to bring you one if that's the case. When everybody have an opportunity who would like to partake, to partake. So as you may have already discovered, there's a little thin film on the top that needs to be peeled off first. So let's all... Take that off at this time. Then there for us on the top is your little cracker, your wafer. And again, we should never just go through the motions. We should think about who he is and, and what this represents, that he, his body was broken for us, Right? And so when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and again, they were, they were very self-oriented and, 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 and divisive, and they weren't waiting on one another, respecting. So he told them, think about this and what this means. And he tells them that in 11.23 of 1 Corinthians, he says, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he, he took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they did eat. So let's all partake together. Okay, the next step, just to be as helpful as possible, would be to very carefully, because I know me, be very careful uh, taking off that next little top. Except I'm not going to pull mine all the way off. I'm just going to pull it off far enough to, to make this meaningful. Did everybody get that, get that done? Okay. So in the same way, he took a cup. He took the cup after supper, and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they did drink. Now, you remember how James said, you be patient until the Lord comes. Paul says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is something that we are to do to strengthen our hearts and minds as we wait expectantly and hopefully for the return of Christ. Amen? Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. There's anything on your heart or mind this morning as, as we sing, uh, My Jesus, I Love Thee. How do we return you know, the love that He has shown us in worship? We, we love Him back. If there's a prayer need that you would like to come up and pray with me about, that, that would be great. If you'd like to spend time in our altar praying about an issue or circumstance in your life, that's what this time is for. If you've never professed faith in Christ, and the Bible says, confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. If you've never been baptized, and you'd like to talk with me about baptism or church membership, as we sing, you come. Now, next Sunday morning, we're going to have, if everything plans out right, a baptism for Braden, okay, because that's another thing that got postponed because of everything that we've gone through. So, um, God is still at work. God is still moving. As we sing, you come. My Jesus, I love thee.
We're going to sing Seek Ye First together as we leave. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you.